Well, welcome. I um, always think when, I, when I'm doing worship and have a chance to also teach, I, I, uh, I'm like, this speaker is going to amaze you today, and then I step out from here and uh, embarrass myself. So I think that uh, Tim, every once in a while, gives me the chance to, uh, to speak and to teach so that the bar is lowered and you can appreciate what you really have in Tim Fritzen and the team. Um, hey, as you know, and, and what I think Ben mentioned this, but on Celebration Sundays, uh, we take time to obviously do baby dedications and baptisms, but we also usually take a break from our normal kind of message series, which right now we're going through the book of Genesis. And um, we were talking and Tim said, hey, I think this would be a great week to, to focus on worship um, and just kind of have a teaching and a time where we can encourage the congregation and the body around worship. And um, it was probably, I know it's been a few years ago, I had a couple Sundays that I taught on the topic of worship. And in that uh, time, we talked mainly about the fact that God um, is amazing, but our, our worship is a response for who he is, what he's done, what he's doing, and what we see in Scripture, it tells us he will do. And so um, that was awesome. And yet, when Tim and I were talking, he's like, you know, the truth is, though, being a true worshiper impacts all of the core things that we talk about, the core marks of a disciple. So I've put these up on the screen. If you're, uh, if you're new around here, um, these are five, certainly not the only marks of being a disciple um, uh, of Christ, but they're core to what we teach. So being gospel-centered, um, the gospel forms the core of our understanding of who God is and how we engage in all of life situations. Uh, being humbly unified, Unity lived out and expressed in the context of the local church. Uh, being mission-driven, the importance of proclaiming the good news of the gospel to all the nations. Pursuing holiness to continually, continually grow in the likeness of Christ. And then disciple-making, um, making disciples through the context of intentional relationship. Now, being a true worshiper, um, it impacts all of these, but... Um, I want to focus just on three of these this morning in the time that, that we have. Um, we're going to focus and reflect on what it means to be gospel-centered and how being a true worshiper, it means we're gospel-centered. Um, how being a, a true worshiper impacts us as we are humbly unified. I want to talk about that one in the context of our local church. And then what it means as a true worshiper to pursue holiness. I said in the previous services, um, and I think it makes sense that we have a little bit of a reality check um, as it relates to worship. Not everyone that comes in um, is on the same page, especially as it relates to uh, corporate worship, right? Um, there are some that, I mean, come in and are excited about worship. Hands are moving. They're engaged during our times. And you know who I'm talking about, you that I look to and are encouraged as I'm leading worship. Um, there's also others that come in and not so much, right? It's, it's, a hard, it's a hard thing for some to engage in our time of worship, in our music, at least, aspect of worship. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, probably the, the more challenging is for people who maybe you're going through something in your life where it's actually very difficult to want to give of your worship. You know, you might be um, in, a, in a tough season. You might have gone through some things that you're not really under, understanding or you're not sure why God's taking you through that. You might even be angry with God. You might be disappointed with, with where you're at. And so when we're in those seasons, or if you've had that type of life uh, experience, it might be hard sometimes to come in and to be wanting to give of your worship. And I think there are some that come in or are just searching. 
they're on the front end of maybe what does it even mean to be a Christian? What is this thing all about? Um, and so to them, not even, not even really sure what to think about worship. I just want to say all of those scenarios are okay. None of those things catch God off, um, off. He's not off guard and he's not caught off guard by that. He loves, in fact, when we see scripture in the Psalms in particular, he wants transparency. He wants us to be authentic in our worship of who he is. Um, the Psalms are filled with certainly praise and exuberant praise, but there's also a lot of Psalms where God is, he's, they're crying out to him, you know, why so long have you not answered God? What is going on? There's an anger, a frustration, a disappointment. I think if, if that were, were not in Scripture, then, then maybe we'd go, okay, he doesn't want to see that. But it's in there. It's in there a lot. And so none of those experiences we face in life uh, catch him off guard, and he wants us to be transparent. In fact, we bring all of that to our Sunday mornings and to our life and to our time of worship. So I just want to encourage you and let you know it's okay. I love the fact that you're here, that you're engaged, that you're willing to, to be here and to, uh, to worship with us. So this morning, I hope that um, this is probably going to be a little bit more conversational. Obviously, when Tim's here, we're, we're doing a deep dive in, into the Word, and we're certainly going to talk about various scriptures. But I hope this is really more of an encouraging time, a, a time where I can just share with you some of the importance and some of the things that stand out to me um, that I've been challenged with in terms of being a true worshiper. Um, and then at the end, I want to give you four takeaways that I, I hope to be encouraging to you um, in your pursuit of being a true worshiper. So the first one was gospel-centered. To live a gospel-centered life means that the gospel forms the core of our understanding of who God is and how we engage in all of life's situations. It certainly impacts Sundays, right? We come in, we know that, that we're supposed to give of our worship, but the reality is we are supposed to give of our worship um, in, in all of life, in, in certainly more situations than that. And so I want to put this slide up on the board that talks about where I'm really trying to land today. This is a quote by Bob Coughlin that says, Worship offered to God can't be confined to what we do in a room on Sunday morning. It's more than simply lifting our hands and having a transcendent emotional experience. Our worship includes the ordinary and mundane things that we think, say, and do each day, as well as the more significant and spectacular. It's an all-of-life response to the forgiveness we've received through the gospel. And that final kind of line there is, is what I think is the core. It's an all-of-life response to the forgiveness we've received in the gospel. And so when we think about being gospel-centered, and we, we come in, we let it impact our, our worship, our time on Sundays. I hope that you let it impact, and it should impact, your work. Your Monday to Friday, every single day should be an opportunity for us to worship the Lord and to give him the praise that he is due. It should also impact our relationships. You know, we, I think a challenge that I see for us as, as Christians is we tend to just get in kind of these little bubbles and we hang out with the same people, people that look like us, people that think like us in terms of our faith and our background. That's fine. You should have some people that you are engaged with that is important to you, that encourages you. But church, we should also be engaged with people who don't look like us, who don't think like us, whose faith is not the same as ours. Why? Because we want to share 
what it means to be a follower of Christ. If we are passionate about what it means to know Christ and to be saved, the good news of the gospel, we should want to, to talk to others about that. We should be engaged in real, honest friendships. And that means, that means being with people who might have completely opposite views than you. You can still love them and you can still be a worshiper and they should be able to see that in you and in your life. Amen? There's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, uh, in, this, in this context, it's, it's talking about Christian liberties, but it says, uh, Paul makes a statement. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. And a true worshiper is gospel-centered and builds his life around and with a focus on the gospel. And about, I don't know, it was, it was 10 o'clock last night. I was telling uh, my son and my wife, I'm like, man, this this is not coming together. I, th- I would think I'd have it kind of in gear with what I was going to say and kept thinking I wanted to change things. But this, this song kind of came to mind and I thought, um, I feel kind of like Mr. Rogers here putting on an instrument mid. <laughs> if I had a sweater, I'd put that on too. Um, this song is called Build My Life and the lyrics in this song, I think, communicate exactly what I want to uh, what I want to talk about, um, what we're going to talk about today. So I want to, I know we, we've sung this before. Again, if you're new, maybe you don't know it, but it's fairly, it's a fairly straightforward song. Let, let's, let's sing this. You can stay seated. Sing this song with me, um, and let's worship him together with this. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Amen. Jesus, the name. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy, holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me the bridge of this song says i will build my life upon your love i will build my life upon your love it is a firm foundation I will put that's it sing it out in you alone and I will not be shaken I will build my life upon sing it out a firm foundation I will put my trust in. Amen. 
and I will not be shaken holy like you there is none beside you open up my eyes in wonder show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around sing that i will build i will build my life upon your love it is a firm foundation i will put my trust in you alone and i will not be shaken sing that one more time i will build my life upon your love it is a firm foundation i will put my trust in you alone and i will not be shaken amen yeah clap to the lord amen i want to talk about being humbly unified um, a devoted follower of jesus is humbly unified and we're talking about in the context of the local church here um, being humbled devoted love and service and care to one another in the context of the local church portrays a picture of the gospel to the world. Um, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And I love this verse, and I think for us as believers, um, I love, it, it, it puts on display horizontal worship as well as vertical. So the horizontal is us. When you, when you read that, it says, uh, richly, dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. So we're, when we're singing, when we come and we lift these songs together, and when we hear from the word, we're being lifted up and we're doing that together. That's a horizontal aspect of worship. And then the vertical piece comes singing to God, right? Singing to God, giving him our praise with gratitude, with thankful hearts. Um, that's what we need to do when we come in here. And I, th I think it's, I think it's fair to really challenge and to be honest about the fact um, that <laughs> the context of the local church is hard. Um, why? Because it's people, and we're all messed up. I mean, we're, we really are. Um, I had a friend uh, that I, I knew that when, when he would talk to somebody about church, and, and they'd say, you know, I, I just I don't really want to go to church. I'm, it's full of hypocrites. And he'd say, I agree, but we have room for one more. Please come and join us. <laughs> because we all are. We all are messed up, um, but it still is important for us to gather together. It's still important for us to come. We have each uniquely been gifted. God has given you unique talents and gifts that the church body can, can enjoy and receive when you are engaged and when you participate. Um, you know, I tend to like, and I, I love sports um, all my life, um, I've, I've loved to compete and have a competitive kind of mindset, and I've tended to like individual sports more than team sports. Uh, racquetball, I grew up playing, and tennis, and, um, and yet the reality is Christianity and 
being a Christian is not an individual sport. It's a team sport. Being a part of the church body is a team, and it's important to, to be unified and to come humbly, willing to serve, willing to give. Um, it's an important piece. Um, we're not to be loners. I mean, even all the way back to the beginning of Scripture, we see God, you created Adam and Eve. There's companionship. We see throughout the Old Testament, um, there's so many celebrations where the nation of Israel would get together and they would celebrate together. Not, not alone. I wouldn't say just, you know, go, yep, go, to your, go to your homes, go to your tents, go, you know, worship me. Serve. No, they would, they would gather together and they would celebrate together. Same thing in the New Testament. When the New Testament church was exploding, they would, they would gather together and they would love each other and they would encourage each other. We need to be engaged and we need to be humbly unified. And I would, I'd give one, one other final encouragement specific to the area of worship. Um, hey, I get that we come in here and the style and the culture that we have here, um, it is what it is, right? Like we do contemporary style worship. We have a band. Um, and you have to find a church where, where the culture, I'll call it, fits you, like where you enjoy the music, you enjoy the teaching, you enjoy kind of what's, what's taking place. But the truth is, there's amazing worship going on all over the world that looks a whole lot different than this, Right? God loves the diversity. He loves the uniqueness of what he's created throughout the world. If you go to a different country, I guarantee you worship does not look like what we do here. And yet, this is great here. This is great here. And I also understand when you come in, um, I might not sing some of your favorite songs. Some, mainly, y'all want more hymns. I get that. I, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said, let's do more hymns, Brian, I would be wealthy, a wealthy man, Right? But we try as a team, I will say, we try to sing songs where their lyrics are rich and they're true. They're true to the word of God. They're true to the gospel. And we, we want to engage. My favorite time is doing what we just did where I get to hear you guys sing. When the band kind of is, is backs away and it's, it's not as loud and we just actually get to hear the church singing. Humbly unified church. A true worshiper is humbly unified. I want to encourage you to be that as well. And then the final point, that I want to talk about was being, um, pursuing holiness. Pursuing holiness is, is hard. Sanctification is a process where we are being made holy. It's a process. It's not, we, we live in a society and we're used to being able to, man, slap something in the microwave and, you know, hit the 30 seconds or a minute and boom, and it's, you know, it's done. That is not how it works with sanctification, with our, our him molding and making us and shaping us. It's a process. It takes time. We have to be willing to stay humbled and, and to be moved by the Lord in various parts of our life. He will humble us. We will be humbled. It's a, it's a tough process, but it's an important process. I also want to challenge you. you. If your time in the Word is mainly what you have here, when you come and you just hear teaching, when Tim is going through something, or you, you go to even a, maybe a Bible study, that ain't enough. That is, that is not cutting it. Um, you, you have got to be in the Word. I, I grew more. Um, um, it's kind of cool. My family is here. My mom, my sister. Oh, I'm going to cry. That's cool. <clears throat> my brother-in-law, my family, my son, my daughters. That's awesome. Sorry, that didn't mean that for it to happen. Um, but the, the time in his word, the, the, my, what I was going to say is my wife could attest to this. When we started uh, or were helped with a church plant, um, in 2006, there was a church in the Northland we were going to. They wanted to do a church plant. And so 
I went and helped with the music. Um, and I want to tell you that that, that time, um, it changed my life for really two, two things. One was um, what you kind of put into your head and your heart um, on a consistent basis, it, it matters. And we were, I was leading worship week in, week out, just volunteering. But that was an important piece. But the most important piece was this was the first year, even though I was raised in the church, I was, had, was raised in a Christian home, I came to Christ at a young age. It really wasn't in 2000, until 2006. I was 40 years old. <clears throat> I wish I had got it earlier, I guess is, is the disappointment in it, but I'm excited that I did get it. God changed my heart when I got into his word, and he'll change yours. It's important. It will, it will change you. It's what saves us. There's power in the word of God. I want to encourage you to get into the word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time with others. Pursuing holiness is an important piece for us as true worshiper of, of God. Man, I'm emotional this morning. I'm sorry about this. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I want to give you four practical takeaways today. Um, before we continue on with some awesome celebrating of baptisms and then spend some more time in worship. The first one is one we were just were talking about as well, to be prayerful. Be prayerful. These are action steps. First Thessalonians 5, 16, 17 says, Rejoice always, pray constantly. Ephesians 6, 18 says, Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. Stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. We need to intercede for others. We need to pray and we lift up others Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. And then Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God knows the desires of our hearts. He knows what we want to ask before we even ask it but he still wants us to ask. He still wants us to talk to him. He still wants us to communicate to him. So come to him in prayer. Be prayerful. A true worshiper, worshiper will be prayerful. Second, be intentional. Be intentional. Hey, we all have a lot going on in our lives. Um, I get that. There's some things that are necessary, for sure. There's also a lot of unnecessary things in our lives that we could probably do without or be more intentional with. Um, but have a heart and a mindset that's intentional about being a worshiper. When you get up in the morning, um, look for opportunities. And I'm going to give you, I, I think this is one of the things I hope you kind of come away with today, is I'm going to, I want to encourage you to, to go on worship trips. Look for opportunity to go on a worship trip. And I'm going to tell you what it is here in a minute. Uh, so I'm going to put this, this picture up on the screen. How many of you, I think it was last Sunday maybe, um, they, they told us that, hey, the, the northern lights... Um, because of some crazy things that are going on, there's gonna, you're actually going to be able to see this in Missouri, in different towns in Missouri. And so Tim and Melody Fritzen, our lead pastor, his wife, Corey and Erica Thomason, also on staff. Friends, I saw this text from them and said, hey, we're going to go check out the Northern Lights. They, they hopped in the car. They drove, I don't know, 45 minutes or so north, got away from kind of the lights of the city, and Corey was able to take this really cool picture. Now, when it becomes a worship trip, is when you say, God, where are you in this picture? Now, this one's pretty obvious. 
Um, I don't, I'm gonna, let me read it. A geomagnetic storm caused the aurora borealis, more commonly known as the northern lights, to be seen in northern Missouri. Residents will be taken, uh, or will be able to take in the colorful lights in the sky Sunday, thanks to recent, recent activity on the sun. What? What, what is that? I, I don't even, I don't even comprehend how that happened on the sun, and because of what happened on the sun, a zillion miles away, we get to, in northern Missouri, see the northern lights. It's, it's, it's bizarre to me, but what I do know is that I can give glory to God because of that. I can say, like it is in Psalm 19.1, where it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. I can go on a worship trip. I can turn that and ask this question, God, where are you in the midst of this? Where are you? Um, and ask that picture. Where is God in the picture? You can go on worship trips every day of your life, people. There are things that you do if you'll ask him to open your eyes to the truths of what he's doing. He will show you opportunities to give him worship. It might be as crazy as, I don't know, maybe you're going to the zoo with your kids and they're driving you absolutely nuts, right? You don't think there's a worship moment, but when you take a step back, you actually realize there is. There's some ridiculously cool animals that God has created uniquely. Unbelievable. You can't step back and say, oh, God, thank you actually for these kids that are driving me nuts. They're amazing gifts and I appreciate that and give you praise. That's a worship trip. It could be super simple things, guys, but be intentional, be on the lookout um, for opportunities to, to worship God. Go on some worship trips. The next thing would be be engaged. Be engaged touches on some of the stuff we were talking about earlier. The bottom line is, um, as it says, it says in 1 Peter 4.10, just as each one has received a gift, Use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. One of the beauties of the local church is that we get to be a part of the body of Christ. We get to see the many different ways that he has gifted each one of us. There's so many different cool things that God has done and how he has wired and gifted us. But if you don't engage, we don't get to see that. If you don't engage, the other people that are a part of this body don't get to, to be encouraged by that, and you don't get to be encouraged by some of the other cool stuff that other people have too. So look for opportunities to, to be engaged and to serve. Don't neglect, it says in Hebrews 10.25, don't neglect to gather together. So we want to be engaged, we want to be involved. And then the final thing I want to leave you with is just the simplicity of be thankful. Be thankful. As a worshiper saved by grace of God, give thanks to God. Have a heart full of thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Psalms 107 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And I'm going to close with this quote, and then we're going to move to a time of baptisms. Above all, true worshipers, this is from that book as well, above all, true worshipers always have reason for astonished thankfulness because their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We have no fear of coming judgment. Our sins have been paid for through the once for all death of Christ on Calvary. And that's a gift that he offers to us if you call on his name, if you repent of your sins and you turn to him. It's, it's a gift, it's a grace that he gives to us. So worshipers, all of you have the opportunity. Let's close with that final thought again. Worship is an all of life response to the forgiveness we've received through the gospel.